Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Podcast Playground. Hooray! I'm Buzz Knight, the host of Taking a Walk, Music History on Foot. Follow us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Podcast Playground, or wherever you get your podcast. And on this Taking a Walk classic replay, the date, July 6th, 2022 the place the wonderful greenwich village area where we met up with a man who changed the face of rock and roll it's fair to say he was really part of the invention of the punk rock movement i had so much fun meeting up with and walking with danny fields the original manager of lou reed and the ramones a fascinating life he has led and on this episode we'll meet up with danny fields next on taking a walk Danny Fields, it's so nice to uh, be taking a walk with you in the lovely West Village. Yeah, this used to be a little more racy and uh, avant-garde and experimental and <clears throat> young and gay and old and eccentric. Oh, we're on famous. 10th Street over there is Christopher Street which people conflate with gay liberation because there was a cheesy block called the Stonewall further on Christopher Street. So what we, what in America is called Gay Pride Day or something. Yeah. In Germany, it is Christopher Street Day. Really? CSD. And they would say, oh, are you here for CSD? And people go, what? Christopher Street Day, they named 
the holiday after the dreadful Christopher Street. I wish there were more interesting people living here now, but they're not. They're boring, and you see uh, nannies with thousand-dollar baby carriages, and mom and dad are all, you know, making a lot of money. So it is way different, obviously, than the day. Oh, God, it's so different. My first apartment in Greenwich Village was $99 a month. And that was in the early 1960s, a long time ago, but still $99. But the medium for one bedroom in Manhattan now is 4000 a month. <laughs> right. So... <laughs> Do you, uh, do you like walking around still? And, and no, not at all. No, you just hate it. It's too much. No, it's not too much. It's too nothing. It's, yeah, I'm saying it's like... I mean, these are all these little boutique shops of designer stuff. The street became high-end shopping street. Yeah. As you see, the street is falling into the earth. They do this a lot. There's no street anymore. It's metal plates. This on the next corner was the famous pink teacup where it was sort of rock and roll. Sort of. So the typical uh, routine was, was like started what time of the day when you, when you would just go hang and listen to music and hang with friends and Oh, well, that was so good because any office job uh, that involved anything to do with show business or music, I wouldn't come in until 12, 1 o'clock because I had to assume I was hanging out. <laughs> that was good because I can't really get up before noon anyhow. Um, this was Italian, sort of second and third generation immigrants. That was the village. It's quaint compared to the Upper East Side, and it's not so busy, incredibly packed and all that as the Upper West Side. But the place to live now is way downtown, where they're converting old office buildings into big apartments. You see, that was open. It's a big cafe. The sidewalk. That whole corner. It's gone. Things are just boarded up. And the reason, I don't mean to sound snotty, you asked before, do I just go walking around? Why? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why? To see drugstores and banks? I'm so spoiled and staying in Soho and you just walk out and it was a show. Better than a show that you paid a lot of money for to see. But look at this, the bank. Yeah. John Lennon once claimed Sheridan Square is the center of the world. This is Sheridan Square. Does this look like the center of the world to you? No. Not to me. <laughs> I... <laughs> what year did you move to uh, the village? when I got out of Harvard Law School in 1960. And I lived in a hotel that was $70 a month. It was just off Washington Square Park. It was so 
I had to sleep with the toothpaste under my pillow or else it would be frozen solid in the morning. Um, uh, yes. The meeting, it's the Village Plaza Hotel. Now it's a posh apartment house. Oh God, Village Plaza. And that's the gay plot because here's the stone wall. And this, uh, I'm sorry, Danny, right here, this is a fairly uh, notorious spot, right? This has been here forever. I have never set foot in it. <laughs> I have no idea what goes on. But it's still here. But you've heard. It's here. <laughs> this happened to be the place that wasn't paying enough protection. So the police raided it, and the drag queens began protesting and throwing things. This was a famous liquor store. Mm. Okay. Oh, and Little Reed, wait, this is the best part. The CEO of the Red Bricks? Yep. He lived in that apartment. Oh, he did? Oh, wow. And one night after his concert, uh, the bottom line, he brought home the tape of the concert. I loved him very much, and I'm not saying anything derogatory about Lucas. I never would, and I loved him very much. And he was a sweet guy. He put the tape on, the shows were over, but it was like one or two in the morning. And you'd come by here, the windows were open. I swear the speakers were pointed out. Lou was listening to his performance earlier that night, and so was everybody else <laughs> within a square mile. This, this is quite a charming village. It's all owned by NYU. Yeah, most of this area, right? Is, is NYU. Yeah. Hi. I missed with Brian and Brooke for a second. They're embarked on a $30 billion expansion now. When I was in high school, in, oh, I want to show you that building one fifth out. You know, I have a good story about it. Mm. NYU was the, when you couldn't get into any school, and, you were, and your parents wouldn't send you out of town, it was NYU. It was really for the bottom 20th percentile. If you don't see buzzers on them, there are individual, now you see buzzers. There's a way it's subdivided. But a few of these houses are intact as they were when they were built for, this was the, if you were on Wall Street, this was a suburb because it was a mile or two miles by horse and carriage. The East 80s, where the mayor's mansion is now, was once the summer mansion of the Riker family. No, Riker's Island, where the prison is, was the summer mansion. Yeah. Here's some other one. But going to the East 80s, was five hours really from Wall Street. What? Yeah. <laughs> so that was like your weekend in the country. You went to 80th Street. <laughs> Isn't that funny? North of 23rd Street was really uptown. And the 42nd Street where the library is now was a reservoir. And you walked around the edge of it. And that was really a trip to the country. The 42nd Street. Well, go back to what you were talking about, how in London, it's, you know, things haven't really changed this dramatically. Why is that? Well, they have, and 
and little my gym that used to close at 11 now closes at 10. So why that? Oh well, we had very restrictive areas during the lockdown. Yes, but it's over. So that was really nice having a gym that lasts till 11. But there was a shrink when we went in December of last year, Christmas through January to London. It seemed like 70% of London was there. But of course, all the big cities were closed down, restaurants were closed down, and none of them ever knew if they would be able to open again because who knew what was happening? Right. That on the corner was the Hotel Earl. It was really cheap. That's where rock and roll bands stood. Of course, this was the village, and it was probably $30, $40 a night. Now it's the Hotel Washington Square, and it's like $500 a night. Jeez. This is a high-end gourmet restaurant. These here, on the north side of the square, were the private mansions of, again, people who were in business, uh, finance, downtown. This was pretty far north. This was like, okay, it will be acceptable, I think. Henry James Washington Square is one of those imaginarily set in one of those first two houses. Uh, see NYU? Yeah. Well, this is sort of a druggy corner. Uh, NYU, they say, who needs a campus? Well, yeah. Washington Square. <laughs> see, has it always been that corner? Well, has it always been? The drug corner of the park over. The whole park was. The whole park. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't walk down from there to there without $5 bags, $5 bills. It still is to some yeah. extent. You can sort of see that. But these were mansions. And behind it, I'll show you, was the news, the stables. This is what they do when they try to pretend we are preserving the quality of the neighborhood. They tear down a bunch of these and build that. So you're supposed to think this is from 1811, you know, that. Yeah. Oh, look how it blends in with these two on your dear old houses. But this was a, a, a splendid place to live. The park is active. There's a lot of yeah. activity going on always. Yeah. It's Washington Square. Yeah. And this is where David Peel recorded Habit Marijuana, which, if you... That title, there's no such thing as having marijuana, right? I mean, no one says that. Right. Having marijuana. But I was reading in Time magazine an account of an anti-war protest that stormed into Grand Central Station. <clears throat> and the writer of the, argument, of the article said, a crowd of hippies burst in singing having marijuana. Well, the song is, I like marijuana, but he had a little bit of a speech defect. So when you go, I'm a marijuana, so the guy said, singing, have a marijuana. And I said, 
there's the title of the album. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> that was it. That was gold. It was a typo. I mean, not a typo. It was a misreport. You see, behind it is a muse uh, with little carriage houses, which are now three or four million dollars. And someone lives up there. Oh, man. There's an apartment next yeah. to the door. I don't know what his title is. But Eleanor Roosevelt lived there. They never lived, they hardly ever lived together, you know. But she, she, she lived over on that side, Eleanor? On that side, the yeah. Washington Square was. And they built a special elevator in case the president ever wanted to come and see his wife's New York apartment. And he used it once, I think in the 44 campaign, once to change. Really? Yeah. He just had to pick up some, some shoes that yeah, he... Yeah, well, you know. Always. The sound you hear are skateboarders. Yeah. You see these trashy... This was never here. This was completely illegal. You could not sell things in Washington Square. With the lockdown and the loosening of everything, and you didn't know what kind of world you lived in, this is what it's become. Yeah. It's like a bizarre and it's unheard, un Oh. I'm not sure they're going to be ugly jobs. <laughs> okay, let's go Fourth Street. Missed the part of 4th Street between 7th and Hudson, which is where Bob was living when he wrote Positive Report 4th Street. So it was here to Washington Square South, and then it becomes 4th Street again, but that is 4th Street. Were there other concerts here besides David Peel? It wasn't a concert. This is, I think there was a song, Washington Square, where on Sundays, unaccompanied or acoustic singers would sing in little crowds. But I don't know, Washington Square, something like that. It's uh, a songwriter finds his destiny in Washington Square. Once a week, he can come here and sing for free. And David was sort of by that tree. And that's where I stopped and said, oh my God, this is it, this is the, that album. And one of those lampposts has really got the electricity from it. Could they pull that off today? Look what they're pulling off. <laughs> yeah. There's only drugs. Yeah. It's chicken wires into a lamppost. That's minor. That's the end of your library. It's a big lobby with terraces around each floor. They found out during finals time, everyone who didn't pass was jumping off the green suicide. I mean, they cleaned up the bodies. There really was people, NYU students, were jumping off the balcony. That's NYU. That's it. Let's go look at the suicide lobby. See, it's kind of pleasant over here. Yeah. It's different. Yeah, you have to see what they did. You see the suicide? See that metal fence? Yep. 
that was never there. So at finals time, they were just kids flying off the balcony just to see the railings only that high. So that's, we need your tuition. So we're going to invest in a fence right there. September 7th, 2018. Yeah. I was getting out of a taxi to see my friend doing a poetry panel there. And my hand was on the door, one of those doors, and he stepped on the accelerator. And I went flying and, oh boy, smashed this emergency surgery. Still haven't gotten a penny. Oof. I know. And the lawyers were working on it because we expect to break any week. We expect to break. Can you drive a cab or own a cab without taking out insurance on it? That's, that's part of the way you get your taxi owner license. Yeah. Oof. How does it feel? Uh, well, it feels sucky. Yeah. We're now on East Court Street. It's one of those odd streets that act, you know, with London. The street will change names three times. Yes. One block. Yeah. This is still, it twists and turns. It still remains Fourth Street. This is no logic. That's, there are three apartment houses looking like that piece of shit. And those were the apartment houses that were going to have the Fifth Avenue South address. Because at the same time Robert Moses was planning to build a highway through the square, and of course he was invested in this building, financially invested in the building, and putting a highway through Washington Square, so the building that he was a partner in owning would now command higher prices. This is Mercer Street, and where that gap is was the Mercer Street Hotel, which is where the New York Dolls played. And that was New York rock and roll. And it was a scene, and they played there once every few weeks, and they would get the coolest, hippest, wildest people in the city. It was the New York Dolls, and we really loved them. Um, it collapsed one day. It just started to rumble. And it was the great society hotel of the 1880s. <laughs> and and anything it was the Mercer you... Art Center. It was really... Beautiful building. God. But that's not it. Yeah. That's another building. The building that to, to the right. cannot, it does not exist. Yeah. The bottom line, any particular anecdotes from from that place? It was wonderful that it was there. It was kind of an ordeal. Sit in your seat, wait for your waitress, order your french fries, make sure they know the record company's picking up the bill. It was like that. Here comes the show. It has to be over now. No more encores. The dressing room was about the size of that. <laughs> I'm sure there are histories that say who played at the bottom line. And it will be a who's who of every act that broke in the 70s. Yeah, I remember the, 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 there was the Springsteen show that Danny WFM broadcast from there, which was sort of pivotal for his beginning. This was the main business thoroughfare of New York. This was Broadway. 
And these were great office buildings. I mean, look at the size of them. And you know what a great office building looks like. Now it's 80 stories tall. These were them. So, whenever possible, we're still existing, being turned into residential lots, which are 10 million. This is, remember my building? Yep. It's the same era. Oh, wow. You sort of tell the hall. They, they were big on arches. Yep. Well, it's 1890s, 1880s. Each one of these buildings was a prize for your business. It was the great mark of prestige that you had yep. a building on board. And now they're good for nothing but rich artists. Now the streets change games. Ray Jones Street is 3rd Street. For some reason, it's Granger. It's like one. There's no reason for it, but it could become a great yeah. These were buildings with cast iron fronts. They're super protected. This is considered one of the great eras of 19th century architecture was cast iron. Yep. They all look like that. So, Danny, what, what are you doing these days? Other than walking with me. I got, I got two guys there, again, organizing my archives. I don't like the way the photographs are organized. Every drawer in about eight filing cabinets had a huge folder called M-I-S-C. <laughs> That's where everything went. Okay, that was the opera house. There, that's the New York Public Theater. That's old. That's from the mother here. It's all modern. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. Lafayette Street becomes Fourth Avenue. And that's another one of those buildings. Unless it's the same one I pointed to before. Exactly, it was built by the same architect who did my building. And downstairs was a club called, it was like a cabaret. Joan Rivers would play there, that Midler, and it was like that. It was very cool. Here comes the old Siemens Merchants. Old Sea Merchants House is a building that was long ago designated for preservation. So, whereas this whole part of New York looked like that, and that was a private house, but now it looks like this. Okay, here's the old merchant's, yeah, merchant's house. Oh, yeah. And this always astonishes me. What was there? What was there? I don't know. I will never know. Something was there. Now it's like an awful little hard catch. Yeah. Now we come to the Bowery, which is 3rd Avenue, but it's called the Bowery down here. And this was the first street in America or the world or something to have electric lights. So we're really going back. This was a salon. Madonna lived on 5th Street between here and the next block. That was her first book. That would be on my tour. Because then we go up and see where her triplex was on Central Park. Something that we loved was here, and it's gone. Huh. 
and had a gardening. It was lovely. It's good. But this place, the, the Bowery, would have been like. Always bums. All, all bums. Winos. Yeah. All bums and winos. And now it's Troy's. It's Troy's real estate. Oh, okay. Really? That's nice. They really know where they're working, right? Yes. Nobody would come here. We've had a band playing at CB's, which was in the next bar. I can't go to that neighborhood. Is it just drunks? I mean, they're not wild outlaws with AR-15s. They're just drunks. No, can't go there. Too disgusting. They always ask me for money, or they're filthy, or they smell, or was the disgrace of New York. This was good role. So you have passed your archives on to Yale, or some of your some of your archives. Yes, well, seventy-five cartons. They took three shipments from their land, and I look around and I don't see any lot of space here, here now. You still have a few things. I never asked for my art to hang on the wall. Never asked for my photographs, which I'd be happy to give them digitized, because they don't, they just want the record. There comes a point where they like the very original thing. Like the original tape. But it's a tape. It's not, it's not like handmade. Okay. Uh, so as old as you could get. This was a theater that was it's very cool. Okay, Bond Street is 2nd Street. Now I will show you. CBGB's is now an extremely pretentious t-shirt store. Really? You'll see. Ramon's Central. This is Joey Ramon Way. You might want to notice. Yeah. Because uh, this is Ramon's land. This was Ramon's territory. Yeah. That's the most stolen street sign in New York. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, at one point they had it so high, you couldn't read it, but you couldn't steal it either. <laughs> Six East 2nd Street is where the Ramon's art director, Arturo Vega, was very brilliant, wonderful, lived. That building with the white frame. Okay. And the, the Ramones would use it as their dressing room because the dressing room was that size. Okay, and there was a shower curtain in front of it. So between sets or whatever, they would gather there. And they've all lived there in their time. And this was an alley behind CBGB's. It was like a delivery alley. Here is a famous cemetery. I don't even know if you can ever get in now because it's so old. Uh, but let's walk around the corner. I'll show you what the CP's universe was. A little different than it was back then. <laughs> I mean, it was smart people were finding bargain locks and who weren't bothered by 
drawing's passed out on the sidewalk because they can't really hurt you. Bowery and Bleecker, that's the end of Bleecker, that was the famous corner where you got out of your taxis and went to CB's. None of these storefronts existed then. I don't know what they were. Yeah. These were flop houses. Yeah. Like, yeah, do something. Right. What you see is the second floor, and the sign would say Washington Hotel or Central Hotel or something. But they were just cops lined up. They were bombs. It was 25 cents a night. And voila, CBGBs. And it tries to pretend. Now, in New York, if you vacate a space and someone else moves in, that has nothing to do with who was there before. But they cling to the myth of this itself is safer because this was CBGB's. It's not. CBGB's moved out and the clothing store moved in. Uh, are you open? Sorry? Are you open? No, we're not. Okay. This was empty lots. So we would do our pot smoking come out here. This was an empty lot. Bombs on the sidewalk. But you get an idea. Some of the buildings are very like that. And some of them are 19th century tenements like those. But they're doomed. Amazing. Okay, so here, these rich young marries, their parents buy them apartments here. It's considered very cheap. <laughs> This is the gallery. This is the Howard Gallery. This is Arturo Vega. Oh, yeah. Who uh, was an artist and lived over there and was a very dear friend of the owner of it. It's a gay nation again. I'm waiting for someone to say, Danny, you finally came. <laughs> This became sort of a gallery for the CB's people, photographers. This was cool. This world's filthiest garbage alley where I took the Ramones Rocket to Russia album cover. And this is, you are knee deep in garbage and rats. One of those is the stage loading the equipment door to CBGB's. Probably this. You could see Arturo's apartment. This was a brick wall, and they lean against it, and there's a truck, because Hilly Crystal was in the moving business. The moving, yeah, he moved here. He had a truck. It was parked back here. Uh, there's a famous picture of the Ramones sitting on the, the flap of the truck surrounded by mounds of garbage. And now it's gentrified. And this is what the future of New York holds for us. This was so disgusting. It's like if they said this is Bombay, you'd go, oh, now I know what a real slum looks like. Filth. But you didn't care. The trucks pulled up, you loaded in your tars, yeah. and people hung out here because the backstage was 
uh, two Chinese. Second Street, where Arturo is staying, and where you used to be able to see into the alley where I took the rocket to Russia. And Didi lived at the building, and Joey lived there, so it's Ramon's territory. Yeah. You won't see a trace of the film wall. Do you got the cover of Allman Brothers Live at the Fillmore like, East? Yep. Okay, and they're sitting in front of a brick wall. Yep. The brick wall is not the Fillmore East. It's somewhere in Georgia. Oh, boy. This is still a vibrant neighborhood. Uh, as you can see, compared to where I live, this is what I would call moderately vibrant. In yeah. That there are things open, there are people walking around, it's civilized and pleasant. Yeah, it's alive. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, that was where the Elmore, <laughs> the auditorium. Oh, wow. This very street was where Electra Records, in conjunction with WNYU, took over the Fillmore East for a night in 1968 to introduce the MC5 to New York. Wow. Okay, so the weeks before, and they promised 500 tickets to the community. Okay, so the community had never received its tickets, and they were angry, and they were swarming here. And it was mainly the motherfuckers, who are the most extremely ugly people anyone has ever seen. Okay, the motherfuckers. And they would nurse their babies in the theater seats and change diapers in the telephone booths. They were really disgusting. They were really angry. It was my responsibility to get the MC5 down here. So, how do you travel when you have a band? You hire a limo. Well, it was like throwing anything decent in their faces. Yeah. This was capitalist. Greed and horror was symbolized by cat. And come on, that's how you go to funerals and weddings. You take people around. It's not my limousine, like a band's limousine. We rented a limousine because there's a lot of us to get down here. So these people went wild. Wow. And they stormed in. See, that was the theater. That's all new. Uh, they stormed in, swinging chains. And then, see, I told the MC, go stay in your dressing room until this happily blows over. But uh, the evening disintegrated into just bad start for Annie W, Electra Records, the MC5, me. You couldn't dirty the motherfuckers because they were so dirty to begin with. <laughs> uh, but those 500 tickets were found in the drawer of the theater's manager. He never did, much as we hate him, he was an asshole, but he never did give them out because he didn't like them shitty in the aisles. <laughs> so he was determined. He thought he could somehow not give them 500 angry, ugly people their free tickets to this band of the revolution. And so they were denied that, so they were on edge, and then we pull up right here with the limo and fucking held those. Bill Graham claims he was hit over the head and his nose broken by 
robbing China, releasing her to MC5, who wouldn't step on an ant? Okay, the world's least violent and sweetest person who was up in the dressing room. So I had a pass being press and recognized. And it was a little yellow card, and it said this will admit the bearer. The time it was uh, expired. Okay, so a few weeks later, I went in to see another band, the usual business night. And outside Bill's office, I said to his assistant, oh, I need this renewed. Could you ask Bill to... So I thought everything had been settled between Jack Holtzman and Graham and NEW, and the card comes back torn into fuck you. <laughs> Bill Graham. Oh, wow. He didn't hit him over the head. Oh, man. I know. That's. Danny. <laughs> Danny, Danny. The, the beautiful part about taking a walk with you is you're not just telling a story, you lived in the story. Oh, yeah. Well, if you're 100 years old, you live. Oh, 6th Street is Bill Graham Way. You see that sign? Yeah. I think that says Bill Graham Way because of the film work. Well, Danny, I told you we were going to do a little saunter and we did a nice long walk. Oh, yeah, I mean... We did a lot of steps. We had to do a cross time, we never did uptown. Did you ever count your photographs, like how many that you actually have? I guess hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Danny. This is such fun. Thank you so much. You've done this in I, Let's do it again. I have to tell you about my last disastrous one, but yes, we will. I hope so. My bus tour with non-English-speaking Belgians with blue hair. Who only wants you to know where Michael Jackson is. <laughs> Thanks, Danny. Take care. Okay, appreciate okay. your generosity. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Taking a Walk with Buzz Knight is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. A rested child is a happy child. 
Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories.